0: You have just entered the Liberty, Liberty, Lighthouse, Liberty Lighthouse, where we cut through the fog of politics with common sense and logic. Coming to you from Pennsylvania, the state of independence. Here he is, author of the book, Progress, Really? U.S. Navy Veteran, and your host, Peter Seraphine.
1: Welcome to the Liberty Lighthouse for Friday, May 15th, 2020. Got a whole lot to do. Got something new to try this week. We're, well, I'm going to try a a little on the Johnny on the spot kind of recording. Not sure how it's going to work out, but we'll see. Want to talk about why I say the Wuhan flu. I want to talk about Nancy Pelosi's fourth round stimulus bill idea. And hyperinflation is probably going to be the biggest part. So uh, why don't we just uh, get her done? Welcome to the Liberty
0: Lighthouse with your Liberty Lighthouse keeper, your beacon of common sense, your wiki, if you will, Peter Seraphine. We urge you to join the conversation by calling 64 My Rights. That's 646-974-4487. And sign up to be a member at liberty-lighthouse.com.
1: Okay. Uh, yeah. Call or text. Love to hear your uh, comments. And let's start with why I call this uh, COVID-19 coronavirus thing the Wuhan flu. A more progressive, more liberal friend of mine asked me, and that made me stop and think for a little bit. And I think it starts because in the beginning, when we here in America had first heard about this coronavirus, before it really was on American shores, or at least before we knew it was on American shores— Almost everybody was calling it the Wuhan virus or the Wuhan flu or, or something like that. And then somebody somewhere decided that it was racist to call it the Wuhan flu. Now, I've got a problem with that because, for one, if you call it a Chinese virus and then somebody else calls you a racist, you need to point out to them that Chinese is not a race. Chinese is a nationality. If you're going to uh, throw disparaging comments like racist around, make sure you use them correctly. And for two, the same people that were using the term one minute turned on a dime and stopped using it afterwards. I think I also mentioned before that, you know, we had the Spanish flu, which wasn't from Spain. Nobody called that one racist until recently. There was the Hong Kong flu in the 60s or 70s, something like that, which I think that one actually came from America. No, it was the Spanish flu. The Spanish flu actually originated in America. Uh, it became called the Spanish flu mostly because the king of Spain got it. And then say there was the Hong Kong flu in in the 50s or 60s. And, you know, nobody called it racist back then. And more recently, we had MERS. Remember, M-E-R-S, the Middle East Respiratory Syndrome. Nobody called that one racist at all. And it almost seems to me that all of these things became racist because of who's in the White House. That's just silly. They're either racist or they're not. And who's in the White House really shouldn't have an effect. And like I said, Chinese or Wuhan are not a race. So, I guess, in short, I basically use the term Wuhan flu because I refuse to kowtow to the rage mob. If you're going to be offended by anything that somebody else says, then I'm going to say stuff just to irritate you because you should learn how to control your emotions a little better and not be offended by other silliness like that. So that's enough about fake racism. Moving on, I saw a conspiracy video that was all about the CARES Act, the first round one coronavirus relief package, the Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security Act, CARES. So this conspiracy said that the bill was dated January twenty fourth, two thousand nineteen, a year before the first case of coronavirus hit America. And their conspiracy theory was that the entire thing was, you know, planned and, you know, why else would you have a coronavirus aid relief package set up a year before the coronavirus actually got to America? So I I did some digging. And I went to uh, the Congress website, uh, congress.gov or whatever it is, and I pulled it up. And, you know, he's right. H.R. 748, which was the first CARES Act that the president signed into law on, I believe, was March 27th, um, it was introduced into the House on January 24th, 2019. He is absolutely correct. However, way back then, it was a bill that was introduced to repeal the excise tax. So what it looks like to me is rather than writing a whole new bill for the coronavirus aid stuff, they grabbed a bill that had already been through several of the committees and just amended it and changed it and morphed it and modified it to the $2.2 trillion stimulus bill that was the first round. I'm not a huge conspiracy theorist. I think some of them are probably valid. But when you go into thinking that the government would be stupid enough to introduce a bill a year beforehand and not get called out for it, that's a little too far even for me. So that's what it really was. So speaking of the CARES acts and these stimulus packages, we are now uh, starting round four. Nancy Pelosi has introduced... Her stimulus bill for the uh, fourth round, and it is three trillion dollars. Now, keep in mind, before this Wuhan flu crisis, the entire budget of the United States for an entire year was just over four trillion dollars. So if you want to put it in terms like that, this is nine months worth of government spending crammed into one bill without removing any of the other government spending. And that being placed on top of the first bill, which was initially $2.2 trillion, but had the potential to grow to as much as $6.2 trillion. It's a It's a scary thought how much our government is spending. So anyway... Uh, this new fourth-round stimulus bill from Nancy Pelosi, uh, I don't think it has a snowball's chance in hell and ever making it on the floor in the Senate. Mitch McConnell, and to be quite honest, there's there's a whole lot of times that I just don't like Mitch McConnell. Uh, he's not one of my favorite people in the world. I think he's one of them uh, swamp rat, perpetual D.C. swamp-dwelling creatures of the night. Anyway, every once in a while, Mr. Mitch McConnell spits something out of his mouth that's pretty nice. And he immediately recognized this and called it out for what it was. This is the progressive, liberal, socialist, left-wing wish list all squished together into one big ugly bill with coronavirus relief stapled to the title. It has so much just blatant socialism and so much support for serious left-wing ideals. It's it's just it's comical. It really is. So I don't think that that bill has any chance of ever even being introduced on the Senate floor, let alone ever getting voted on. At least I hope that's the case. You know, just to put some of this coronavirus relief spending into uh, uh into focus so far we've had one two point two slash six point two trillion dollar relief bills two other bills adding you know a half a trillion dollars in loans and now this three trillion dollar uh proposal from Nancy Pelosi like we're pushing ten trillion dollars worth of spending on the Wuhan flu relief. Perspective time. The financial cost of World War II in today's dollars was $4.7 trillion. And we're spending twice that to battle a virus That, for all intents and purposes, seems to have a 99% survival rate. Twice as much money as World War II. Anybody else out there think that's just wrong? I've said before, probably many times before, that I think the financial situation of the United States is our biggest threat. Not the coronavirus, not China. Not Russia. Not the Democratic Party, as some of the people on the right say. I think the biggest threat to the future of this country is our debt. It's it's insane. And right now, during this emergency crisis, we're just printing more money and printing more money. Like, it's no problem, right? So there is this you know, modern economic theory that says that you can do that. There's, there's a modern economic theory that has uh, basically come out and said that you can print all the money you want. As long as the economy stays good, it doesn't matter. And I have a problem with that theory. I have a, a huge problem with that theory, actually. My problem is called history. Hyperinflation has destroyed several economies and the countries of those economies. And not, you know, ancient Greece. I'm talking, you know, last year. So let me, before I really get into this, let's talk about what hyperinflation is. Hyperinflation is basically when the government prints way too much money, then that money becomes worth less. Because the money is worth less, the prices of all your goods and services go up, which makes your money worth even less, which makes the prices of everything go up, which makes your money worth even less. You get it? So what happens? Sooner or later, the bottom falls out. Somebody goes, holy crap, there's a lot of money out there. It's not worth what we think it's worth. And it just goes away. The value goes away. Your dollar is now worth a penny. Hyperinflation is defined as, uh, I think, fifty percent inflation in a week or a month or something like that. But it's bad. I mean, it's really, really bad. And some examples throughout history. Let's. I mean, I mentioned in uh, the the episode about uh, our screwed up financial system. I mentioned. Uh, Pre-Nazi Germany, 1923 Germany, where it literally took hundreds of Deutsche Marks to buy a loaf of bread. Now you might think that's 1923. That's not modern. That's why the modern economic theory came in. All right, let's let's go a little more modern. How about uh, Hungary, 1946, or Greece, 1944? Those were both after World War II. These countries had huge debts and, you know, reconstruction to do, and so they just started printing money, which turned out to be worthless because they printed too much. Still too far back? How about uh, early 1990s, like 1991 to 92 in Russia, when families would literally load up a wheelbarrow full of their Russian rubles to go to the grocery store because the ruble wasn't worth anything. That particular one led to the fall of the USSR. And many people would argue that the 1923 crisis in Germany led to the rise of Hitler. Still too far back? Still not modern enough? Yugoslavia, 1944. Zimbabwe, 2007. 2007, that was only 13 years ago. Still not modern enough for you? Venezuela, 2019, where the int- the uh, inflation rate in 2019, according to the International Monetary Fund, is 200,000%. Venezuelan dollars are pesos or whatever i don't know their their currency literally littering the streets of venezuela because it's not worth the effort to bend over and pick it up oh yeah but that's venezuela we're america really you you really don't think it can happen here Look around, look at what your government is doing, what our government is doing, what the elected officials that we put into office are doing with our money. Even before the Wuhan flu crisis, we were $23 trillion in debt and had a budget that was a trillion dollar shortfall that was going to make us $24 trillion in debt by the end of next year. Now the Wuhan flu crisis comes around, and we're likely going to spend $10 trillion on it. Our deficit is now the size of our entire uh, gross domestic GDP, gross domestic product. No country can survive with a debt the size of the entire industry of that country. It just can't happen if something drastic doesn't change very very soon the economic collapse that we had because they shut the government down for the last 8 weeks is going to be nothing it's 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 almost inevitable we're heading to a very very bad place I honestly don't know what happens to the brains of our politicians. Some of them at the state level, some of them at the federal level, but I don't know what happens to the, their financial brain when they take office. This is ridiculous. They refuse to cut spending and instead spend another $10 trillion. I, I don't get it. They all need to go. We, we need to rein in our government. If we can't do it in the ballot box, then we need to do a convention of states. And if we can't do a convention of states, then it's time to really stock up on ammunition because it's it's the shit's gonna hit the fan one way or another. Whether it's you're gonna need that ammunition to defend your family from all the starving people around when the when the economic collapse really happens, or you're gonna need that ammunition when you finally wake up and say uh, Mr. Government, you need to stop spending my tax dollars. Either way, you're going to need it. I mean, presuming that we can't fix it through the ballot box, which historically we have been unable to do. Is this the wake-up call that our voters need to fix what's really going on in our country? I hope so. So right now, there's there's a whole lot of patriots out there that are starting to protest. Most of them are protesting these Wuhan flu lockdowns, protesting their own governors. And hopefully those protesters will continue their protest after they get their jobs back and our our states are reopened. Hopefully they'll continue to protest these ridiculous policies of just spend, 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 spend without any care of where that money comes from or who had to work to earn it? What family could have used that money in their own paycheck rather than giving it to the government who's going to turn around and give it to somebody else who may or may not need it? So hopefully these state-level protests will continue. And speaking of these state-level protests, as you all know, I am from Pennsylvania, and I am not happy with my governor, Governor Wolf. I've called him out on Twitter a few times, but for some reason, he never answers me. So anyway, I am one of the people that is going to Harrisburg tomorrow. I, I said tomorrow. Okay, let me, I got a little confession to make here. Yes, this episode is going to post on Friday at 6 p.m. Like all of my episodes post on Friday at 6 p.m. But I'm recording right now Thursday evening. And I'm recording on Thursday evening because tomorrow... Friday, I am going to be in Harrisburg at the state capitol with the Reopen PA Rally. Now, here's the fun part for you, my listeners. I am taking my microphone and plugging it into my phone, and I'm going to walk around the protest and try to do some of those man-on-the-street-style interviews and talk to a few people while I'm there. And if all things work out well, that will be the second half of this episode of the Liberty Lighthouse. One of the things, the thing that probably pushed me to the end where I said, okay, I must protest my governor. All right, y'all know I've, I've got signs in front of my house and I've got my flag inverted on the flagpole. My my protest has thus far been a silent protest. But just yesterday I learned that Governor Wolf has has done something that that just it disgusts me. I have no other way to say this. It absolutely disgusts me. I was very involved in the American Legion for a while, and one of the things that veteran organizations like the American Legions do is go around to cemeteries in their ta- town or area and put flags, American flags on the graves of veterans on Memorial Day. Those flags come from the state government down to the county government and then the the uh individual veterans groups get them from the county government. The the county VA office. So what I learned yesterday that sent me over the edge was that Governor Wolf has blocked the shipment of those little flags from going from the state to the county offices. And if they're not in the county offices, then the veterans groups can't get them on Memorial Day. So apparently... In Governor Wolf's opinion, you can't have patriotic Americans walking around cemeteries honoring the falling soldiers, sailors, and airmen, and marines of our great nation on a day set aside specifically for that purpose. It's too dangerous to walk around a cemetery outdoors because of the Wuhan flu, I guess. As far as I'm concerned, this is one of the most despicable, disgusting, unpatriotic acts that I've ever seen any elected official commit. And I am going to protest tomorrow. I'm going to take my mic with me. Hopefully we'll, hear what people have to say, and I can get it posted back here on this show. I've never done that before. I hope it's going to work out. If it doesn't work out the way I want it to, we're going to end up with a second segment that's a a whole lot of crappy. But uh, that's the plan. So uh, watch the news and Make sure that you don't see a guy in a Liberty Lighthouse t-shirt getting arrested in Harrisburg on the news tomorrow. We're, uh, we're coming up on the break. This first segment is over. With any luck, when you'll come back to the second segment, it will be uh, me live doing interviews. We'll be right back.
0: You're listening to the Liberty Lighthouse. Join the conversation now. Just call 64-MY-RIGHTS. That's 646-974-4487. A
1: little over a year ago, I got so frustrated with Progressive Society that I wrote a short book called Progress. Really? You can buy my book on Amazon for $5.99 in the paperback form, $0.99 cents in an ebook, or Go to liberty-lighthouse.com, sign up to be a member, and download it from the file shares page for free. Progress really just questions. At what point is progress not really progress anymore?
0: You're listening to the Liberty Lighthouse Podcast.
1: Hey, welcome back to the Liberty Lighthouse. This is Peter Seraphine. Just arrived at the Capitol building. Looks like there's a few hundred people all here already chanting has begun i'm not quite close enough to uh understand or hear the chanting yet i'm still a half a block away the beautiful wife says that they're just yelling open up so first person i approached he said i wanted a picture of me with my sign so i asked him if he'd be, want to be on the show so here's carl carl what would you like to tell our governor
2: well i have a i have a restaurant it's in york county and i i I'm not allowed to be open for dine-in business, even if I do every other seat, which there are 15 or 20 states that are already doing that. And some states are opening up as soon as the 25th that touch Pennsylvania, Ohio, West Virginia. And, you know, I just say, if people can cram into the big box stores, why can't they come to my restaurant where I space them out, I'm trained, my employees are trained how to do sanitation. Big box stores, I've seen people walk in with a mask and gloves, pull their mask down, eat something, you know, and then just put the mask back up. I mean, you know, I can, I'm small enough. I know all my customers. I can, you know, I can catch somebody if they're sick. I can work real hard on doing that. We already upped our standards as far as what we're doing to clean. Um, just let us open up. This is, this is bad.
1: And you said there's two restaurants owned by one family that have already opened up in York County?
2: Yes, they're called Round the Clock Restaurants. Uh, It's called Round the Clock Diner, and they need your support. So it's shared on social media. The media actually did an article on them, and it was kind of positive. It was uh, Channel 27, I think, and they were good as far as the interview, but the footage they used of his dining room was of a packed dining room, which had drapes and all kinds of stuff, which wasn't even his dining room. So I think they were trying to subtly paint a picture that he was doing something wrong. He has social distancing. I ate there myself. He has every other seat. You know, people were wearing masks. It's, people were happy to be there. If you go on their page, people are just very happy to be there, happy to be out. They're doing social distancing. Um, don't know what else to say. Just open up.
1: Great stuff. So if you uh, are close enough to York, Pennsylvania, give, uh, take a ride over to Round the Clock Diner. Thanks a lot.
2: They've been threatened, by
1: the way. They've been threatened. Yes,
2: they've, they've been given, they've been given uh, a letter to stop, I guess. And now I guess the next phase is for an inspector to come in. And then after that, they say they may get fined $10,000 a day. It's the Saccarellas family. In case you need to look it up, they're on Facebook. The restaurant's on Facebook.
1: Okay, Thank you very much. So that's a uh, several hundred people yelling where is Wolf Wolf of course the governor here in the great state of Pennsylvania You might not notice but somebody came over with a nice little... Uh, radio and they're now playing we're not going to take it and hundreds of people here at the state capitol are uh screaming along senator uh state senator mastriano is right in front of me i'm gonna see if i can't get close enough to ask him a question or two Lots of people taking selfies with him, see how close we can get. He's he's obviously here. He's one of the speakers today. Senator, uh, Liberty Lighthouse podcast, why are you one of the speakers here today? What do you have to say?
0: I have to say it's time to open up the state. The state's uh, been held in bondage and in captivity by the governor without any real reason. It's time to get back to work.
1: I agree. I think that's what all these people are here for. Any uh, specific message to the governor himself?
0: Uh, governor, where are you? I just checked his office today. Checked it Wednesday and Monday. Nobody's home. He called us cowards and traitors. Actually, he's missing in action. He's absent without leave. He's AWOL. Get to work, Governor Wolf. Let's get back open and back to work.
1: I, I believe just a minute ago there was a "Where's Where's Wolf chant going on. <laughs> I don't know if you were here for that. <laughs> Thank you very much, Senator. Have a great day.
0: Yes, Thank I know you.
1: you that was great stuff from the senator. Uh that's what all of the people here seem to think. They uh, Senator uh Governor Wolf called us all cowards because we weren't willing to wear the mask and do this and stay at home. And uh he's the one that's not here now. Where's Wolf? Was chanted a little bit ago. Nobody's seen him. He's not answering his phones even for senators. Who's the coward now? I just saw a pretty unique sign that I decided I wanted to go talk to the owner of. It says 70% died in nursing homes. That's your fault. So I came over here and I found Joe. Joe is the owner of the sign. Joe, what what brought you here today? Well,
0: uh, preservation of constitutional freedoms is primarily it. Um, I'm kind of insulted by Governor Wolf using the word cowards towards those who are willing to actually take appropriate risks in the face of a disease instead of cowering like he did
1: well protecting constitutional freedoms is what the liberty lighthouse is all about so uh thanks for talking to me any specific message for the governor uh open it up very good thanks a lot joe So after uh, Joe signed there, I saw another one of my favorites. It's the join or die flag, you know, the one with the 13-segmented uh, snake. And I came up to, to Robert here. And, uh, Robert, what brings you out here to the state capitol today?
2: Well, just I guess to let the governor
0: know
1: that either by soapbox, ballot box, or ammo box, there will be a change love that i uh, i just said yesterday on the show uh you know it's, it's stock up on ammo you're either going to need it for when the bottom falls out and you got to defend your family from all the people that are just so poor they'll do anything for food or you're going to need it when 1776 round two comes around so i agree thanks for your time robert Thank you. one of the official speakers has begun i'm going to see if i can't get a little closer and uh see what he has to say I mean, admittedly, selfish coward is not a a great term. Whenever you're dealing with politicians and obviously uh, you've got to turn a negative into a positive. Frankly, selfish cowards isn't as good as deplorable, but we can try our best, right? Well, before we go too far in the program, I want to open us up in a word of prayer.
0: Please let me uh, welcome Pastor Tim Madden.
1: Obviously that was the pledge of allegiance or at least the tail end of the pledge of allegiance opened with a prayer switched to the pledge. And that is basically what the problem is across the United States, governors that don't want to give up that power. So the speakers are still going up there, but they're getting kind of hard to hear. I just saw a sign that I liked. It says, fear the new normal, not the virus. I think that's an awesome sign. I don't know what was said behind us, but somebody was happy. So I'm, I'm here with the owners. Who are y'all? I'm Josh.
2: I'm Shelly Howard. Lori. All right.
1: Fear the new normal. That's my, my shtick. That's what I think. This is a bunch of garbage. You know? You don't give up your rights for a virus, right? Right.
3: That's right. Those that would give up uh, their essential liberties for a little safety deserve
1: neither safety nor liberty. I love that quote. I've got a double-sided sign over there that my beautiful wife is holding right now, and that's one of the quotes on it. Um, Any specific message for Governor Wolf? Uh,
2: I mean, I'm just here because I have kids and I'm worried about their future and how one person can decide the way that they're going to live. Exactly. And decide if they can go to a park and decide if they're going to go back to school and if they have to wear a mask when the numbers don't justify any of it.
1: Okay, wait. But to be fair, one person usually makes that decision. You as the mom. All right. Anything else you all, anybody else want to speak up spe- specific message for our governor? Uh, I would just say that uh, the government is based on the consent of the governed and we no longer consent. So, we're opening our businesses and we are redeclaring our independence. Hey, they broke through the barricades. Everybody's rushing to the Capitol ground, so I guess I gotta go right now. Okay. All right, Michael just flagged me down as I was walking by. He said he's got a message, a uh, spe- specific message for the governor, right? Yes. Okay, right,
4: go for it. What makes your cabinet making business essential? And my daughter, who is autistic, cannot get her therapy she deserves. She can't go to school. I can't get a therapist to come to my house because of this shutdown. That, to me, is not right. Not right at all. I,
1: I agree. Thanks for uh, flagging me down. USA! Okay, so somebody moved some barricades. They got a little higher on the steps. It doesn't look like they stormed the building or anything like that. But the people I was talking to at the moment that that happened got really excited, so I thought I should get out of their way. Uh, of course, that was a chant of USA. I'm not a judge at how many. Pe- a good judge would be able to look around and tell how many people are here, but I would say at least several hundred. Okay, so of all of this crowd, I have only seen one person wearing a Guy Fawkes mask, or the V for Vendetta mask, and uh, I I just ran around looking for him, and I just found him, so I'm going to go see if if he'll talk to me for just a second. How you doing, sir? Love the mask. My name's Peter. I'm with the show called Liberty Lighthouse Podcast. Care to spend a message for the governor? Power to the people, governor. (laughs) <laughs> That's short, simple, beautiful. Thank you very much. Well, one of the problems that we have with with doing a on the street recording like this here in Pennsylvania Capitol is the Capitol steps literally go down straight onto Third Street, which is a very busy street here in Harrisburg. So people are driving by honking their support, which means you can't hear the person who's up there speaking as it's happening. Okay, so I just came across eight-year-old Brinley who's holding a sign that most adults don't even understand. The sign says, orders are not laws. So, Brinley, do you really understand the, the difference between an executive order and a law?
2: Yes. Orders are not laws means that Governor Wolf was the only person who passed this um, order. Nobody else in the government passed it, so it's not a law.
1: That's absolutely right. And I bet if you asked half the people here, they wouldn't be able to explain the difference just as well as you did. Thank you so much, Brinley. You're welcome. Okay, so around Brinley are one, two, three... Four other children and what I'm a presuming is a mom and dad. So mom's here. Mom's name is Tabitha, and she's holding one of my uh, a, a sign, a quote, one of my favorite Patriots, is by Thomas Paine. The greatest tyrannies are always perpetrated in the name of the noblest causes. That's a long-winded way of saying the road to hell is paid with good intentions. But you know, far more eloquently by Thomas Paine. So Tabitha, you said a minute ago that the four one, two, three five kids yeah, one two fire. three four five kids like picked out which sign they wanted to hold themselves right
2: yes they did yep.
1: did you pick what was going to be on the signs or you and dad pick what was going to be on the signs
2: yeah we picked them and then we let them choose which one they wanted to hold okay
1: why what brought you here today what made you think it was important enough to bring all five of the kids with you
2: because this is their future and this is their country and we're sliding into a very fast socialism and people don't understand all these handouts and everything this is just hurting our small businesses are dying uh we're a small business owner um, if we don't get this uh, state back up and running we're not going to have a state to come back to
1: absolutely any specific message for the governor
2: Yeah, you need to get back in your jurisdiction. You need to get out of ours. We are for the people and by the people. You have overstepped your boundaries. And just because you've issued orders, you are not in your jurisdiction and you need to be reined in.
1: Thank you very much, Tabitha. So that was a spontaneous lock her up chant about uh, the Secretary of Health. Here in Pennsylvania, Rachel Levine, Dr. Rachel Levine, being responsible for the the uh, safety of the elderly in nursing homes here in Pennsylvania, and 70% of the COVID deaths in Pennsylvania have a, have happened in those nursing homes under the direction of uh, Dr. Levine.
2: Your own mother out of the nursing home, that's something that is definitely gaining. Uh, uh, traction here. People are very upset about this whole nursing home thing, what Governor Wolf did, what Secretary Levine did. They're wanting answers about it. You're seeing lots of signs to this effect. You're seeing lots of people questioning it. The speakers at the podium, many of them are state lawmakers here, are questioning these issues. So, a lot of energy out here. In peace, Wolf! In peace, Wolf! In peace, Wolf! In peace, peace
0: Wolf!
4: Governor Wolf! He declared war on our local governments that have a right to protect their people. He declared war on Beaver County who was trying to protect citizens in nursing homes. And he's declared war on our small businesses. He says he's going to pull their certificates of occupancy and their licenses. And that's ridiculous. And that's what a communist would do. For that position. Dr. Levine is a pediatrician, knows nothing about public health, and left our most cherished Pennsylvanians to die in nursing homes. And that alone, she should resign, but the legislature needs to remove Levine.
1: So Dr. Levine, horribly unpopular here, almost as unpopular as the governor himself. Okay, so I just saw a sign that says eight weeks later, and still no unemployment benefits for most of my employees. And I approached the, uh, the sign holder, Brittany, who is the business owner of a consignment shop. Brittany, uh, is this why you're here today? Because you can't get your employees their employ- unemployment benefits?
3: This is only one of the reasons I'm here, but yes, it is. And what was the name of your shop? It's Fashion Sense Consignment. Got a website you want to plug? Uh, It's www.fashionsenseconsignment.com.
1: Okay, last question. Any specific message for the governor? Uh, We need to open
3: up uh, Pennsylvania. We need to get people back to work. This is unacceptable that my employees have to go eight weeks without seeing a dime. Uh, We just, yeah, it's unacceptable. People can't survive with no paychecks.
1: Couldn't agree more. Thank you very much for your time, Brittany. Thank you. And standing right next to uh, Brittany is Kristen. Kristen says that she's a recruiter and she's having job seeker horror stories that she wants to share. So uh, go ahead, Kristen.
3: So I'm a recruiter. I specialize in working with small businesses. So I'm really hearing horror stories from both the business owners who are struggling to keep the employees they have and from the job seekers who are desperate to find unemployment. For example, last week I had a young woman call up. She was a single mom. I could hear her baby in the background. She had applied for a job. She wanted to know if we got a resume. I looked her up in the system. The job had been posted for five days. We had over 100 candidates for that job. Um, I took a look at her resume and I immediately realized there was no way she was getting an interview. She had probably 20 people more qualified than her. Um, I gave her some free advice on looking for a job, but I've recruited in a recession before. It sucks. It's horrible because you're rejecting people that need a job, that just want to provide for their families. And you've got hundreds of them sometimes, for one single opening. Crashing the economy has a horrible impact on businesses and on people. We've got to get Pennsylvania back to work. We've got to.
1: You said you've recruited in a recession before, but there's never been a mandated recession by a governor. No,
3: this is a hundred times worse than the last one.
1: Right. uh, Unemployment rate here in Pennsylvania, I think, just hit 20%, if I remember right.
3: Yes. It is the highest it's been since the Great Recession. That's what I thought. And Pennsylvania has the highest unemployment rate in the country, or at least in the top three the last I saw.
1: Well, thank you very much for your time. Okay, so I've stepped away from the crowd and uh, sitting under a a shade tree. I can still see the crowd. I can still hear the yelling. I'm sure you can, too. Um, Last time this happened, April 20th of this year, I've seen estimates as high as 2,000 people that were here at the Capitol steps. I don't think we have that many this time, but it is several hundred. I wouldn't be surprised it's over 1,000, but I'm, I'm really not that great at just looking at a crowd and guessing their size common chants that we keep hearing over and over again are impeach wolf uh impeach wolf <laughs> we heard that one several times um we've heard uh, wolf's gotta go uh was it fire levine uh there's uh, dr rachel levine and, and governor wolf are are definitely the villains today at today's rally Open up is another one of the uh, recurring chants that was just going on in the background there. One of the things I want to point out before any of the news media might tell you otherwise, yes, I saw a handful of people with guns here. Not many at all. And actually, I think I only saw one, maybe two people with long guns. Saw two or three people with handguns on their belts. But I have not seen a single Nazi flag, not a single swastika and none of that stuff that I am sure the mainstream media is going to say was here. I do just now, looking up at the Capitol building, I see a Russian flag, which is kind of funny. The, the uh, sickle and hammer on, on a red field of uh, just flying behind the speakers. It would be interesting to me if that shows up in the evening news, in that it is directly behind where the people are speaking at their podium. There have been lots and lots of chance of USA, USA, USA. Uh, looking around at all the flags that I see, I see a lot of the Don't Tread on Me flags, a lot of good old-fashioned Stars and Bars American, fl- or American flags. I've seen one or two of the Stars and Bars uh, and a bunch of Trump-Pence and Trump 2020 flags. Uh, there were a few of the uh, Join or Die flags. I like those. And, and, but like I said, I think the most common one is is uh, good old fashioned Old Glory. Okay, so as I'm sitting here under the shade tree cooling off a little bit, it looks like most of the speakers are done, uh, the people seem to be thinning out quite a bit. That's not to say that they're all even, there's a whole bunch of people that look like they might be pitching tents up there. Anyway. Ina was walking by, and she's got two signs. She's wearing them like a sandwich board, front and back. The one in the front is, uh, well, it's kind of the purpose of the Liberty Lighthouse podcast in the first place, spelled out in a sign. It said, the greatest danger to American freedom is a government that ignores the Constitution. Could not agree more.
2: By Thomas Jefferson.
1: By Thomas Jefferson, yes, it was. Now, I want you to explain the sign on your back.
2: Oh, my granddaughter. It says, I want my childhood back. She's 11, she wants to go to middle school, she wants to see her friends, she wants to play and have fun, and she knows that the childhood she has right at this moment is not her childhood.
1: So your 11-year-old granddaughter realizes that the world has changed and wants her own childhood back?
2: Yes, yes. Her five-year-old sister made a sign yesterday that said, I like America, and put a flag on it too.
1: It sounds like you have some great grandkids. Thank you very much for your time, Mike.
2: You're welcome. Thank you.
1: Okay, so I just found uh, Kevin. Kevin has a sign that says, Do Not Incentivize Economic Sabotage. And it says, hashtag no bailouts. Uh, I'm assuming that you're referring to the idea of the federal government
4: that uh, bailing out bankrupt states like ours. Correct. And if we create an incentive for the governor to shut down the economy... It's going to happen every year. And that's what we're doing if we give the states a bailout. So he trashes the economy and he gets paid for it. I don't think that's right.
1: I I don't either, especially considering, you know, the federal government's, I think it's $24 trillion in debt right now and still spending trillions by the week.
4: Oh, yeah, we'll never pay it back. Right.
1: So how can they afford to bail out states?
4: Well, they can't. The dollar will collapse at some point because the money that we've taken out, the value is, you know, depreciating because of the continual printing of money, of the inflation, so we can't pay it back. There's no possible way that we can pay more than we've borrowed with interest.
1: Actually, I was just talking about this uh, a little earlier on the show. I was talking about the idea of hyperinflation, where where the uh, inflation goes up so high that your money's not worth as much, so the prices all go up, so it makes your money not worth as much, and then prices go up higher, and then your money's not worth even much. It's where we're headed, and we just got to find some way to stop it. <laughs>
4: Well, you can't have hyperinflation unless everyone's spending money. So that's not going to happen for, oh, I don't know, a good 10 years after we're in this toilet. So, but yeah, it's a concern down the road, right? You know, if we devalue our currency to the point where it's not worth anything, it's we're going to use it for wallpaper like they do in Venezuela. Exactly. I made
1: the reference that in Venezuela, it is literally in the streets, like trash in the streets because it's not worth the effort to bend over and pick it up.
4: Yeah, exactly. Where was it? Weimar, Germany. They used it as wallpaper, literally, because it wasn't worth anything. And that's the road we're headed down. And at some point, we may just have to default on the debt, which totally ruins our credit in the international community.
1: Exactly. Thank you very much for your time, Kevin. Hashtag no bailouts. Love it. Okay, so I only have about two minutes left Uh, just A summary of what's going on around me the uh the official speakers seem to be done there are still people with megaphones talking but it does not look like it's being done in an official capacity anymore it's uh 124 in the afternoon the crowd is thinning out some but there are still plenty staying up there okay so one of the other uh, observations of the day is i saw very few masks being worn i i did see few i sell very little social distancing however those that did want to social distance i did notice that there were people for example the gentleman in the guy fox mask he stayed back one down uh, i think it's second street that no i'm sorry state street he stayed down state street half a block away and he stayed a good 10 feet away from everybody and when i started walking up to him he actually looked at me kind of funny to get him to record this but but he did it anyway that's always good um Very few masks, not a whole lot of social distancing. So if Governor Wolf and Dr. Levine are right, then um, let's see, we're all going to drive back to our homes. The entire state of Pennsylvania should collapse in about 14 days. So that, (laughs) that having said... Uh, that's about all time we have for here at the Liberty Lighthouse this week. Thank you very much for joining. Uh, check us out at you know, www.liberty-lighthouse.com. Follow me on the social medias at pseraphine Seraphine. And protect your liberties. Once they're gone, there's no getting them back. God bless America.
0: Thanks for listening to the Liberty Lighthouse Podcast. Be sure to sign up at liberty lighthouse.com to download Peter's free ebook from the file share page. And don't forget to call 64 My Rights. To leave comments for the show. That's 646 974 4487. If you enjoyed this podcast, tell a friend about Liberty Lighthouse. And wherever you listen, subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated.